Welcome to a special presentation of Nebraska Farmcast, a podcast with essential information for essential decisions from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. The Nebraska Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team in the Department of Agricultural Economics is dedicated to providing timely news, analysis, decision tools, and publications for Nebraska agricultural decision makers. Each week, our team brings you essential information for your essential decisions in live webinars covering a diverse array of farm and ranch management topics presented by experts from the university, from across the state, and from around the country. This series of podcasts offers audio from these webinars so you can learn on the go. To find a complete archive of all webinars, register for upcoming sessions, and discover more resources, visit the Farm and Ranch Management website at farm.unl.edu. Well, good afternoon, and thanks for everyone for joining our webinar today. I'm Elliot Dennis, Assistant Professor of Livestock Marketing and Risk Management from the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. This webinar that we're putting on today is part of um, the Extension Farm and Ranch Management Teams, commonly referred to as through the acronym FARM, the week, their weekly webinar series that is held each Thursday from 12 to 1 uh, p.m. Central Daylight Time. Complete listing of future and past recordings can be found at farm.unl.edu. I uh, would like to point out the rural, Nebraska Rural Response Hotline, which remains a great resource for ag professionals across the state, and it provides mental health counseling information regarding legal assistance, financial clinics, mediation, and, and much, much more. The hotline's toll-free number is 1-800-464-0258, and we also have a, a wealth of resources related to stress and well-being at ruralwellness.unl.edu. On today's webinar. Today, this webinar will look at a recent Nebraska Supreme Court decision that upheld the validity of a permit for a livestock operation in Lancaster County, in part because, quote, neighbors would be free of odors 94% of the time, end quote. To discuss this case and the role of UNL's odor footprint tool and, and potential future livestock nuisance litigation is my colleague in the Department of Agricultural Economics, Dave Aiken, who is a professor and agricultural law and water law specialist. Dave joined the staff in 1975 and has published over 100 technical and popular publications dealing with water rights, environmental law, and ag law. He teaches online undergraduate courses in agricultural law, environmental, and natural resource law. Also joining us to discuss the older footprint tool is a member of that team, Rick Stowell, animal environmental extension specialist um, which has a joint appointment in the Biological Systems Engineering and the Department of Agriculture Science. Rich's outreach and research interest focuses on improving air quality in and around livestock and poultry facilities, mitigating thermal stress in livestock and poultry, and also in facility design for optimal environmental management. He also has a teaching appointment here and teaches undergraduate courses in mechanized systems management. Rick is a Wisconsin native, earned his BSMS in Ag Engineering from the University of Wisconsin at Madison and a PhD from Michigan State University. Rick has also been with us for a long time at UNL, joining the faculty in 2001. Thanks Rick and Dave for, for joining us today. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. Um, and Dave Aiken will begin. Uh, welcome to the webinar, Dave. Thanks. 
let me okay just a quick overview uh, neighbors sued to uh, try to invalidate a, a zoning permit for uh, the producer to construct, uh, I believe, three chicken barns, uh, which were going to end up supplying chickens to the Costco uh, plant uh, in Fremont. And the district court ruled in favor of the producer and the Nebraska Supreme Court also uh, upheld the zoning permit and uh, ruled for the producer. Uh, the court referred uh, to the what is the odor footprint tool analysis indicating that in the in the immediate vicinity of the livestock facility uh, it would be odor free 94 percent of the time which was an indication that the county had considered uh, public health safety and welfare uh, when they granted the permit uh, and uh, the big takeaway is that uh, you know, the odor footprint tool, I think, is going to become a common feature in future uh, livestock uh, nuisance uh, lawsuits uh, down the road. Okay, uh, our producer, he wanted to do a poultry production contract with Lincoln Premium Poultry, who are processing the poultry and then for Costco. Uh, the land uh, where the facility would be located is in an ag agricultural district in Lancaster County. Uh, they applied for their uh, zoning permit in 2018. Uh, it was approved by the Planning Commission 6 to 3. Uh, after a public hearing, uh, the county board approved it 3 to 2, so it was a pretty tight vote, indicating, I think, that the permit was, was controversial uh, in Lancaster County. Uh, two neighbors appealed the zoning permit, uh, the, the grant of the zoning permit. They said the county shouldn't have done it. Uh, one neighbor uh, who was a little under 13 miles away uh, was ultimately dismissed because they couldn't prove that the facility was going to create any nuisance for them. Uh, but the other neighbor lived uh, six-tenths of a mile away, and they were the one that got to pursue pursue the lawsuit. Now, the uh, nutrient management plan in terms of how the manure was going to be uh, managed and, and uh, you know, applied to land uh, for crop production or whatever, uh, a consultant uh, prepared that plan uh, for the, uh, the, the producer. The county zoning person testified uh, that the uh, permit, you know, with the conditions that the they had the county had uh, put forward and that the uh, producer had agreed to implement uh, that it would meet or exceed all of the county zoning requirements so there so the, the county was was good with it uh, the project was also approved by the Nebraska Department of Environment and Energy who does the uh, uh, concentrated animal feeding operation permitting for the state of Nebraska uh, also, the Lower Platte South NRD, which is the NRD that, you know, the, the Lancaster County is, is part of, uh, looked at it uh, probably for the manure management, you know, slash water quality impacts. And then also the Lancaster County Health Department, uh, who uh, administers uh, state uh, air permits 
uh, for uh, the Department of Environment and Energy. Okay, and the uh, district court ruled uh, in late in October of 2019. Uh, they said the one who was nearly 13 miles away did not have standing to bring the lawsuit because it wasn't going to affect them either way. Uh, and then uh, it said that, you know, the poultry operation meets or exceeds all the requirements that the county has for the zoning permits uh, and, uh, and ruled that the grant by the county of the zoning permit uh, was, was uh, legal. Uh, they met all the legal requirements to do it. Okay, so then they appealed to the Supreme Court and the decision just came down last December, so it's fairly recent. And the Supreme Court ruled that the 13 mile neighbor was, was properly dismissed from the lawsuit. Uh, and the neighbors, uh, excuse me, the neighbor who was still legally in the lawsuit, the one that was six tenths of a mile away, they relied largely on uh, testimony from the public, uh, members of the public who opposed uh, the new Fultry poultry facility saying that, you know, they thought it was going to smell and, you know, it was going to hurt property values and, and, and those sorts of common uh, concerns that are raised when these, when these uh, zoning types of zoning, uh, livestock zoning permits are granted. And uh, they used on this public testimony to support the contention that granting the permit would not protect the public health, safety, and welfare, which is the ultimate legal standard for uh, uh, zoning permits. And the Supreme Court, uh, in its opinion, noted that there was testimony from county officials that really contradicted uh, most of the, uh, most of the uh, public testimony. And, you know, you've, you've got, you basically got neighbors who, who don't have any particular technical expertise, but are saying that I'm, that, you know, that they had that many chickens, you know, in, in our neighborhood, it's going to smell bad, and there's going to be you know dust and odors and 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 whatever, and it's going to you know hurt property values, and we're not going to be able to go outside because you know of all this nuisance and and, and stuff like that. And you know uh, uh, that testimony, candidly, is is fairly subjective, uh, and uh, you know. And, and that's that's one of the problems with these things because it's, you don't usually don't have anything very uh, specific or you know concrete that you can put your hands on uh, in terms of you know is this thing going to create a nuisance for the neighbors or not you know that so that that's a big problem in in this type of this type of litigation and uh, but in these circumstances the courts will normally. Uh, you know, I mean, they'll they'll look at what the at what the public says, but they'll also look at what are the what are the actual uh, regulators say. You know, the environmental regulators, the public health regulators, the zoning regulators. You know, what do they have to say? Because they have some expertise. They've dealt with these things before, and so they're uh, the courts tend to to look at that testimony a little bit more uh, and and find it a little bit, I think, more credible. Okay. Uh, the neighbor that was six tenths of a mile away said that it would, you know, could produce the odors, reduce property value, but it looks like there wasn't any, she didn't have any consultants in there to try to bolster her case. And this is very common in these types of lawsuits, you know, that uh, uh, the neighbors had hoped that the county board would turn it down 
but they, you know, but three to two approved it. So it showed that it's pretty close. If they could have flipped one county board member, you know, they would have won and they wouldn't have had to sue anybody. But after the county board approved it, then they go to the lawyer and, you know, the lawyers is basically working that lawsuit with uh, one hand tied behind their back because they didn't have a chance to, you know, develop some more credible evidence of what kind of a nuisance might this uh, might this facility create. So, uh, you know, that's so that makes it tough for the objectors. Uh, it gives a little bit of a leg up to the uh, to the producer uh, in terms of the, in terms of how the, the, the case will play out in court. When I was reading this opinion, uh, there was the, the next to last page of the opinion, uh, and the Nebraska Supreme Court referred to this uh, uh, Institute of Ag and Natural Resources tool, uh, you know, that had been developed that estimated that, and that this is a direct quote from the court's opinion that even the immediate in the immediate vicinity of the proposed facility would be free of the odor ninety four percent of the time, and I knew that that was the odor footprint uh, tool. Uh, which uh, is, you know, something that the university has has, has had uh, in its its portfolio for for several years, and is a valuable tool for uh, the the siting uh, and the design of of uh, livestock facilities. Uh, and so I knew that 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 was the tool that the court was referring to, uh, and you know, the say free voter ninety four percent of the time. That's, that's, that's a typical type of result from the, the odor footprint. So uh, just very quickly, the Lancaster Health Department testified that it would ensure producer was using reasonable odor controls as required in the, the uh, state uh, livestock uh, permit. And uh, so the, they went on then to say that the, the zoning permit was properly granted. And at this point, I'm gonna pause and uh, turn it over to Rick Stoll and let him talk about the uh, odor footprint tool itself. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, welcome, Rick, to All the right, webinar. Thanks, Dave. Also have to, uh, as a reminder, if you do have questions as we're going through and don't feel free to hold on to them till the end, uh, put them in the Q&A box or the chat box and uh, either the, myself or one of the speakers will address them either during the presentation or at the end. So let me know if it's not showing, but I think my presentation's up and ready to go. So uh, what I'm gonna do is present an overview of, a brief well, overview of the odor footprint tool. I'm not sure we're seeing Pardon that. Me? We're not seeing that. You're not seeing outline. it. Oh, I never clicked to share. There we go. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> One, few, two few buttons. Uh, so I'm Rick Stoll, Extension Specialist in Animal Environment, and I'm going to present a quick overview of the Nebraska Odor Footprint Tool. Uh, really, the Odor Footprint Tool is about uh, assessing odor risk and estimating uh, minimum separation distances needed to uh, keep the odor risk at certain levels. And uh, I'll just note, I am, uh, my name is the only one on here. Uh, this tool was developed by a group of us at the university uh, about 15 years ago was the main work. And uh, some of those people have retired or moved on, but I have been the main 
uh, extension contact for the odor footprint tool uh, from the early days. So uh, uh, I would be the one anyone would contact about uh, use of the tool in practice. So what is the Nebraska odor footprint tool? It's a planning tool. What that means is hopefully uh, uh, you use the tool or, or have somebody uh, working with you use the tool early in the planning and not uh, not uh, come to find out about it uh, a week before uh, the uh, you meet with the township or the, the zoning board. Uh, it's a simple tool, at least in our opinion. Uh, that means it's an Excel spreadsheet or it's also available in a hard copy uh, with worksheets and tables. So the Excel spreadsheet would be the preferred um, application if you have a cookie cutter uh, type situation, such as uh, broiler houses or uh, deep pit finishing barns, um, that type of thing. Uh, the worksheets uh, do allow some flexibility in terms of uh, uh, broader use. We are in development of a web-based platform, so hopefully within the year uh, we will have something that uh, uh, will be integrated with uh, Google Earth or some imagery, uh, which is something a lot of people desire. And I'll just mention the, the science, uh, the, the deep science uh, went into the dispersion modeling and use of weather data. Uh, the good news for people using this tool is, is that was all front-end work. So um, basically, uh, you don't have to worry about uh, anybody doing dispersion modeling when they actually use the Nebraska Order Footprint Tool. So a couple of objectives behind the uh, Order Footprint Tool is, first and foremost, we want to increase the use of objective science-based information when people are making decisions about uh, livestock facilities and odor. So I think that was uh, the main message that came out in this court case, is that uh, uh, the producer and the people who evaluated that situation were did their best effort. It's not perfect, but they did their best effort to to use uh, objective science-based inf information. The other uh, objective we have is to encourage voluntary implementation of odor control technologies. And uh, you'll see in other states and some counties uh, where they've mandated certain practices that are can be very uh, costly to the, the producer, and uh, we wanted to encourage an alternative to that and, uh, and give some cost-benefit opportunities to the producers. So I need to talk a little bit about odor risk. What, the, what is that? And uh, odor risk is that projected percentage of hours or frequency of, of time over an extended period of, of time. So we're talking we had at least uh, uh, 10 years of data and, and tried to get 15, uh, whatever that was available, of weather data. So we're looking at uh, not atypical years, we're looking at longer periods of time. And then uh, did the modeling to see how often would the odor levels at locations be uh, at levels that uh, uh, we found from uh, uh, interacting with uh, neighbors to be uh, annoying or would change their behavior. And two ways to express this, you know, is a half glass half full or a glass half empty approach. And so one way to look at it is uh, 
could be annoying uh, odor levels 1 to 10% of the time, or it could be free of annoying odor levels uh, 90 to 99% of the time. And we've chosen to go with the, the 90 to 99% odor annoyance free and uh, look at that as a, a bar or, or some uh, milestone that producers can, in their planning can try to increase or improve. So cutting right to the results of using the, the spreadsheet tool, um, focus on the bottom here. Uh, don't know if my cursor is showing, but on, there's a, a, a table that has on setback distance in miles, and there's four columns. So we look at four primary directions. In this case, uh, it would be northeast, southeast, southwest, and northwest. And so there's different uh, separation distances for each direction. And you'll notice that northeast and northwest are the uh, longest separation distances, and that coincides with prevailing winds here in the warm season of Nebraska. And then uh, the rows are, are organized by the odor annoyance free frequency. So uh, the highest level of risk uh, at 90% odor annoyance free to the lowest level of risk there at 99% odor annoyance free. You can also see that the numbers change with the uh, frequency and they get larger as, as you want to minimize that risk. So that's kind of what, it, what the results look like. And um, I'll just highlight a couple things here. Um, the results are available, publicly available, for six uh, primary locations or regions in the state. And so the idea is that if you lived in Saline County here, uh, you'd probably go and use the Beatrice or uh, data that weather data that we are using for Southeast Nebraska. If you're in York County or something like that, you might look at a couple different uh, weather stations uh, information and and kind of use that to inform your decisions. Uh, if we look in, I, I don't. Most people don't use the paper version, but it, it, it's really pretty intuitive. So I'm just going to highlight what this says. Uh, on the bottom scale, the x-axis, there's an odor emission rate. And so we collect some information, or the, the spreadsheet asks for information on the type of facility and the size in terms of the floor area. And then uh, that'll give an odor emission rate, projected odor emission rate, and then we scale up we move up until we get to what one of the odor risk avoidance curves that we want to use. I'm not suggesting we use 98%. It's just easy viewing. Uh, if we start out at 2 and follow that, that blue line up to the 98% odor annoyance-free curve and then slide to the left, it gives us a separation dis distance of at least uh, six-tenths of a mile to maintain that kind of uh, uh, minimize that risk to that that level. So a couple of things I will bring up at this stage, pretty important. Uh, one is that the, the science is in the curves, it's not in the selection of the curves. So the data that's in each one of these curves is supported by um, science-based modeling. Whether 94% or 96% or 98% is the right curve to be using is not based on science. That's a, that's a judgment uh, and a, 
putting in reasonable um, uh, discretion. So things like is it ag zoned would go should go into that that discussion. If it's uh, not not ag one uh, zoned, then it might be a different uh, curve that would be used. I also point out that uh, a few counties have adopted uh, adopted this. Most of the time they're looking at 94%, but we have a couple of counties that have adopted the order footprint tool at 96%. So that hopefully was based on interaction with the county and the residents to uh, come up with a decision there that uh, met their needs or their values. So uh, real briefly, I'm just going to show some uses, uh, common uses for the Nebraska order footprint tool. Uh, those include checking or improving siting of proposed facilities, uh, looking at the impacts of utilizing odor control, and uh, helping to inform uh, policy making at the county level. So I'm not going to go through this in detail, just looking at a situation, uh, this is a made up uh, situation that's nice to visualize. If I'm a producer is looking to put a facility in the corner of a section, um, at the intersection of roads, um, that would be X. If they, maybe a logistically less desirable location would be away from the intersection. Uh, we can take a look at this. Each one of those squares is, uh, this is publicly available information on the internet. Each of those is a residence. And I can look at uh, different zones of odor risk and identify the number of residences that would be in those different zones. And so I've got uh, five residences between the, the blue, the 94% and the 98% odor annoyance free uh, curves. And uh, if I move that down to Y, I've dropped that down to only two and they're kind of at the outer rim of that, that inter intermediate risk zone. And so <clears throat> help it. Helping people visualize what this looks like can help them make more informed decisions. Another thing uh, uh, we can do is, is uh, show the benefit of, of odor control. So a question I get a lot of times is requests, what's the dollar benefit of, uh, to a producer of spending money on, on uh, odor control technology? And that's really hard to do. So this is the best that I've been able to uh, present to them is uh, the red line would be the uh, the uh, area that would be within the footprint and I'm just showing 98% so it's easier to see. I'm not recommending 98% I'm just showing it for visual uh, and at still at that 98% the blue lines show the reduced area that's impacted by odor um, at that odor risk level. So this is something that producers tend to like to see. Uh, it gives them some idea of what, their bene what benefit they're getting uh, for the economic uh, investment they're making. And the last thing I'll, I'll show is uh, the odor footprint tool has been utilized in, in helping counties make decisions on policy. Uh, what I usually see is uh, there will be a advocates on the left side here that they're are only interested or mostly interested in promoting expansion of animal agriculture. And then you'll have folks on the other side who are, are exclusively interested in, in protecting residents. 
And uh, where we want to be with our objective information is in the middle there, encouraging responsible growth. So that's kind of the the approach I come into when when I talk with uh, county commissioners, zoning officials, and residents. So with that, I'm going to just going to provide my information. Hopefully, I'll foster some questions, and I'm going to turn it back over to Dave. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate uh, you sharing more information about the order for control. And now go back to Dave uh, Aiken, where he'll finish up kind of the conversation about the Nebraska Supreme Court decision. Sorry, everybody, I've got to turn my voice back on. Now we'll share. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you, Rick. That was very informative. And I'd just like to uh, reemphasize uh, one point that I draw. Uh, from from Rick's presentation is that and that is is if you're worried about whether you're going to get your county zoning permit or not, you know having the the visual information uh, like like on his next to last slide that well if we didn't implement this particular odor control technology, which we're not legally required by anybody to do, but you know, but if we were to go ahead and do that, this would reduce the area of, you know, where there might be some level of, of odor interference um, and, and reduce it, you know, fairly substantially in the, in the example that, that Rick presented. And I think if you want to get some goodwill from the community and from the zoning board and from the county board, if you can say, look, we're making this additional financial investment, and I tell them how much money it was, especially if it's significant, the more it is, the more they're going to be impressed. We're spending X number of dollars to reduce the odors from our proposed facility. You know, that's going to, get, that should, I would expect, <clears throat> excuse me, I would expect that would get you a lot of goodwill. Uh, and people say, golly, this, you know, they're, they're spending money they really don't need to spend to try to, you know, try to reduce any odor issues associated with their facility. So, you know, they're going the extra mile. We ought to meet them halfway. You know, that, that's, that would be, I would hope that that would be the outcome, but I, I think that uh, that would be a good case, a good case to make and, and showing that you're, you're going above and beyond to re to do something about the odors, which is the big thing that neighbors worry about, uh, really. I mean, they'll talk about groundwater quality and, and everything else, but they're really they're really concerned about the odor. Uh, that is going to be that's going to be a big plus uh, in terms of in terms of zoning. On the other hand, going in with the attitude that well, you know, this is going to provide the, a better market for grain, local grain producers and, and, and whatever. And, you know, so you're lucky to have us, uh, if, if that's your attitude, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're going to probably going to have a little bit more trouble. Okay. Well, 
and getting back to our case, our, our Supreme Court case, uh, you know, the court ruled that the granting of the zoning permit met all the legal requirements. Uh, and that was a seven to zero decision. So that's, that's pretty good. It doesn't get better than that. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's a plus on the, on the uh, producer side. And one issue is, is that I mentioned earlier, I think when, when we started this is that uh, until we had something like the odor footprint tool, uh, the information that you had is really, uh, that's, that's usually the, what courts have to look at in these cases, or even the county board has to look at in terms of whether to grant the permit or not. Uh, most of the information is very subjective. You know, it, people, uh, you know it's, those things always smell bad, you know, and, and, uh, and, and that. And so that, uh, that makes it, and there probably in the past have been you know, livestock facilities that, you know, would not have been that much of an odor problem that were denied because there was a big, you know, the whole county turned out and everybody testified against it before the county board and the county board was kind of scared into approving it. Uh, and in the absence of something that can provide uh, some quantitative information regarding what's the, what's the level of the odor and stuff like that, uh, you know, it, it, it's something like that can happen. Uh, the, the, the big advantage of the odor footprint is that it does provide some quantitative, some numeric uh, indication of, you know, how much odor annoyance are people within different distances from the facility, uh, you know, what, what is that? And, you know, 96 to 94, you know, something like that, you know, you're in that ballpark. Uh, that's pretty good. And that's, and that gives policymakers or decision, or decision makers, whether it's, you know, the, the zoning board, whether it's the county board, or whether it's a, a judge, uh, or the Supreme Court, it gives them some better than a ballpark estimate of what are we looking at in terms of how much odor the, the odor is going to be? And, you know, when, the, when they see that's, you know, that you're going to be odor free 94% of the time or 96% of the time or, or whatever it happens to be, they said, well, you know, in an ag zone, uh, there's always going to be livestock and, and, you know, when you're moving around the county, you're going to, you're going to smell livestock odors from time to time, but 94% uh, odor free looks pretty good. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading, trying to read the mind of the judges here, but I don't think it's that much of a stretch to see that they see that and they said, man, that's, that's an A, maybe even an A plus, uh, you know, that looks pretty good. So that's, uh, that is really helpful in terms of sorting through the, uh, the noise, as it were, of all the, the public testimony and, and stuff about, how this is, you know, all all the water is going to pollute and, every, and everyone's going to die, or something like this. The the doomsday scenario that is going to occur if, if this livestock operation is is approved, and you know that this sends the message that well, you know, it's not going to be certainly not going to be anything. It's not going to be a doomsday outcome. Uh, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be a pretty uh, a, a pretty decent operation uh, overall. 
Now, uh, down the road, you know, said 94%, that turns out that there's going to be 20, you know, 22 days where there will be uh, odors that will be noticeable and perhaps objectionable. Uh, and I would not be surprised to see if we have future litigation on this score uh, that, you know, that, that will be something that will be presented to judges and, and they'll, have to, they'll have to try to, you know, decide how much is too much and, and, and that. But in this case, they said 22 days uh, is not uh, unreasonable uh, in an ag zoning district. Uh, if it had been in a rural residential district or something like that, maybe it would have been an easy call, but in, a, in an agricultural district, it, it, it is an easier call. Uh, but there's no, nobody can give you a guarantee that if you're 94%, you're never going to have any legal trouble. Uh, you know, neighbors may, you may have neighbors that have been engaged in a family feud for going back two or three generations and they'll spend several thousand dollars on a lawsuit if, if only to, you know, for the inconvenience uh, factor that they cause you in having to defend your lawsuit. So, you know, that's nobody, nobody can make guarantees, but I think that it's, a, uh, I think that it's likely that, uh, this odor footprint analysis is going to be a, a staple in a very common feature of this litigation in the future. And, you know, as, as this unfolds, lawyers are going to, when the, if the odor footprint comes back and it's, it's at 96% or 94% or something like that, they're going to say, look, you know, this is going to be tough because it doesn't look like the odor is going to be that bad you know, that most of the time you're not even going to know it's there. And, you know, so are you sure you want to spend the money on this lawsuit or not? So uh, if we do have lawsuits in the future, uh, and it'd be, you know, it'd be wonderful if this older footprint made all these lawsuits go away. I mean, if they, if, if everybody comes in with a high score uh, in terms of, you know, only, uh, four or five or six percent interference uh, and the lawyers say you know that I mean it's your money but you it may not be really worth it because there's not a great shot at winning this case uh, you know it's just going to be the people that are down there in the 80s or something like that who are gonna you know they're the ones that they say yeah we can you know we've got a we've got a good chance at winning this lawsuit because this operator is not doing very much, uh, or they're just so big and so close that even though they're doing everything they can, it's still a fair amount of over 10% of odor interference. Uh, that you know that begins to look like you know the, that may be that may be a problem for the producer. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out uh, in the in the long run. But I'm hopeful that uh, that the improved information may make less of the, uh, you know, that the lawsuits really are just for the, the, the cases where there really is a, a, a problem for the neighbors and, uh, and the ones where the, the interference is, is, you know, five or 6%, something like that. Uh, they're gonna, you know, that more of those lawsuits won't be filed. I mean, we'll see, but uh, you know, the better your the better your odor footprint score, I'd say, the better chance you have of of not being taken to court uh, over the odors. 
okay, I think that will uh, will do it for me. Uh, so I will uh, stop sharing and uh, we can move ahead to the Q&A. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Rick, for uh, providing information back about the court case and also the kind of the importance of using that the older footprint tool and Rick really explaining it really well what that tool is and how it's used. Uh, a couple questions came in uh, while we were talking. This one's for Dave. Just to clarify, did this case come out of the Nebraska Supreme Court or the U.S. Supreme Court no. in D.C.? This is the Nebraska Supreme Court. Nebraska Supreme Court, great. Um, also, Chris um, Bosquet from AFAN, formerly with Nebraska uh, Dairy, uh, would the order footprint tool be beneficial to add to the livestock siding matrix? And what would the downside be? And uh, maybe the uh, Rick, if you wouldn't mind addressing that. Okay, it is. Uh, it is incorporated as an optional uh, element of the matrix. Uh, a couple things came out. One of those is that a line in the sand uh, in development of the matrix, so I was on the matrix development committee, and, uh, and one of the lines that was drawn in the sand is that uh, the counties would not budge on making sure that uh, setbacks, county setbacks, whatever was adopted at the county level, had to remain as a uh, major element of the uh, getting a passing score in, in the in the matrix. And um, but the older use of the older footprint tool was used to develop uh, recommended setbacks. So the county not obligated to use the uh, recommended setbacks. What matters is what they have on the books. Um, but the order footprint tool was used to inform our recommended setbacks at 94% order annoyance three. Okay, let's, uh, another one, this is for you, Rick, also. Um, how is weather taken into account for the order footprint tool? And is this a multi-year average or is this, uh, just maybe explain a little bit about how weather's incorporated into that? So this gets into the dispersion modeling, and it's a good question. Uh, there's no averaging being done on, on that scale. So we went back, and uh, there are pretty sophisticated tools, even more not so nowadays. But back 15 years ago, we were using uh, a tool called AirMod, and that, was, that enabled us to use hourly weather data from uh, uh, higher class uh, weather stations around the state, and we had to search pretty, pretty hard for uh, a good weather station to use in the sand hills. But we found what we uh, think uh, served the purpose there uh, well. So we were looking at uh, 10 to 15 years of hourly weather data, and things like wind direction, wind speed, air temperature, relative humidity, and uh, cloud cover and which is becoming more and more available nowadays. Um, but, but we used that hourly data to run models, and then we went back in, and for each of those hours, uh, we modeled what, where the odor would be going, uh, which direction we would be going, would it be dispersed under those weather conditions. 
and then that's how we come up with our frequency information. So if you take 10 years of weather data times all the hours in a year, and that's how many data points we had, how many times the model was run. And then we added up the uh, totals of uh, annoying odor levels versus uh, levels that didn't meet that threshold and what was the percentage. So hopefully that, that helps. Thanks, Rick. Um, maybe a question for Dave and Rick um, as more people type their questions in, in the box. Um, Dave, the question for you would be, um, are, would lawsuits be able to be filed against operations ret uh, retrospectively who maybe um, can prove that their operation would not be in compliance with a certain level of older, of older level? And then maybe uh, after that, Rick, maybe talk about uh, the difference between the number of days, total number of days where or number of hours within a year that it's um, there's older nuisance versus a few hours each day over more days and maybe how you kind of come to that calculation. So day first. Okay. Um, generally the uh, deadline for filing a lawsuit uh, for livestock nuisance is two years from when the um, nuisance arrives. And so this would be uh, if the neighbors always had this side of uh, this, this many livestock in this facility, whatever it is, for the last 20 or 30 years, um, you're going to be time barred from filing that lawsuit. Now, it used to be three years was the deadline. That was changed, I think, two or three years back to two years. Um, so you don't have a lot of time to file these lawsuits. Now, if there's an expansion uh, and so that there's more livestock at the same facility and stuff, then you know the clock starts over again and you would have uh, you know you would have two years uh, from when the number of livestock increased and it increased significantly, I would say uh, uh, in the in the in the facility to file the lawsuit. You know, if it's there and you know you've been kind of annoyed by it, and it's been that way for for five or ten years or something like that, and say, "Oh, great! Well, let's do, let's 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 estimate what the what the the numbers would be, and 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 go get the spreadsheet and put the numbers in, and oh gosh, they're at eighty five percent. Well, let's sue them. You know, uh, if you do that within the two years, if you get that lawsuit filed within the two years, you know you've got a shot. Uh, if it's outside the two years, then it's uh, it's over. I'll chime in, uh, Dave, that from a tool perspective, all the modeling was done on existing uh, data over a long period of years. And so we, we didn't get it in the business of trying to predict the future weather. Or from a climate perspective, I've had some people say, well, it's getting warmer and these things. Um, I have yet to see anyone 
um, project that our, our wind patterns are changing. Uh, so prevailing winds are still prevailing winds like they were uh, 15, 20, 30 years ago. And, uh, and that's the major influence on the output of this tool. I think uh, the other question, Elliot, was on um, uh, hourly versus daily. So technically, the, the percentages, odor noise free frequencies, are on an hourly basis. So the most accurate way of, I have of saying that is four days is, is 96 hours, which is roughly 100 hours. So if you want to put it on an average basis, 94% uh, would mean six hours every four days. Not saying what six hours, but on average it would be six hours every four days. Uh, um, people like to think in terms of days, and so... Um, it's not technically accurate, but it but it's not inaccurate to say that uh, typically odor events will be multi-hour. So you, saying that um, uh, three months is is 90 hours. So roughly thinking about that, uh, I think that would be two two uh, two days a month on average at 94% is what you'd have. Uh, most of the most of that day, if you want to think of that day, it, it would be most of the day, two days a month on average would be uh, exceed those levels. Yeah, thanks, Rick. This um, this is also coming from the order footprint tool, just kind of just to show that uh, and the interest in this is the George Cunningham had the question about uh, the footprint tool was updated on a regular basis using newer models. Uh, particularly modding to the dispersal probabilities, volatilization rates, weather modeling, et cetera. So maybe talk a little bit about, uh, you mentioned the curves, and though that's where the science built in. How often are those curves updated to reflect maybe new or changing sciences? Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll have another question also about the tool. Well, uh, practical realities also exist at the university. Uh, we are a research institution, but we need funds to make that happen. Uh, graduate students, postdoctoral students are the ones who, who make these uh, tools available. And, uh, and the reality is, is that there's not been uh, much updating in terms of the actual uh, curves. Uh, so because funding is not, uh, is very hard to get in this area. The federal government's not worried about odor. They're worried about greenhouse gases and some other gases, but they're not worried about odor. And uh, so it all comes down to, is there any um, resources to support this work? And if you also you think we wanted when we were verifying and validating the tool, we thought it was really important to verify it with people rather than sensors. There are no good sensors out there for quantifying odor. And, but when you work with people, we have places called olfactometry labs. And so Iowa State and Minnesota have labs and they've since shut down those labs because 
mothballed them because they're very expensive to run. you got to hire enough people to keep them running, and there's just not enough uh, supported research to justify keeping those running. So that was a long answer. I apologize for that, but we don't really have any any no one's provided evidence saying that that the modeling that we did was was not appropriate. Sure, well, thank uh, you. No, Maybe somebody, just a follow up to that uh, would be how likely are the is that to be outdated? I mean that have the at the dispersion probability volatilization rates, weather modeling, has that changed dramatically since the tool is built? So, so the the main thing that could could change would be, you know, odor from a hog farm hasn't changed um, remarkably over the last ten years. Um, I, I don't hear people saying that uh, livestock odors have changed. So the only thing that would be changed is we could uh, incorporate newer weather data, and uh, and uh, that might have some impacts. But that's where I said. Temperatures and moisture levels have in the air have changed, but the biggest factors are wind direction and wind speed, and I haven't seen any evidence saying that that's changed. But if, but if somebody wants to throw several million dollars at you, you'd probably be willing to take a look. <laughs> well, yeah, Nebraska probably wouldn't need millions, but to get the olfactometry labs and, and uh, everything revved up again might take millions. Thanks, Rick. Uh, one more question for you, sorry. Um, I think there's just a lot of interest in understanding how this tool works and uh, figuring what goes into it. Uh, besides measuring wind, are there tools available that measure levels of airborne odor particles or uh, particulates that could be used to assess air quality? So maybe talk a little bit about what tools we have to admit, measure air quality and uh, how that maybe is incorporated into Tool. Well, I, I, I'm not going. I'm not trying to be nitpicky for any other reason than to be accurate. But there is no such thing as an odor part particle. There are particles that have odorants, and that's one of the the biggest challenges we have. Is is there's over 300 uh, different compounds that might be contributing to odor. Now, probably a dozen of those are like ammonia and hydrogen sulfide are, are key ones. But, but um, so there are instruments out there, a lot of sophisticated in instruments to measure methane, which is not odors, but hydrogen sulfide, ammonia, uh, dust we can measure. And so those are all air quality parameters. But none of them really say what the odor is, what the odor level is. And that's why we've stuck to using groups of people and taking taking um, actual people's observations and, and what they're sensing and uh, use that to confirm our model. Thanks, Rick. And then uh, maybe one last question for Dave. Maybe talk about the, the significance of this court case and if it was the first of its kind and talk a little bit about uh, how this sets legal precedent moving forward a little bit. 
Yeah, uh, it is, in my opinion, it's a major development in terms of livestock nuisance uh, lawsuits uh, in the sense that, you know, you can go from this, he said, she said, kind of, you know, how bad is the odor to something that's, that's quantifiable. And uh, it could potentially be a game changer, as I tried to suggest, you know, in, in wrapping up the talk, uh, you know, lawyers who, who are going to be paid to sue a livestock facility for odors are going to want the odor footprint analysis uh, and, and, and want to understand that in order, you know, to decide what they're going to, if they're going to take the case or not. And then when they've got it, if, if somebody's at a low, relatively low level of odor interference, they're going to hopefully be very candid with their clients and say, the odds of winning this lawsuit are way less than 50, 50, you know, that's their, their, Odor footprint score is pretty good, um, and you know it, it. This would be, you know, the, we can try to overcome this with testimony from neighbors, and you know whether people have have evidenced things that would suggest poor manure management or something like that, and try to use that to say that the you know that that the that the projection that the odor footprint tool analysis provided uh, is not in fact how the facility is actually being operated. And so that the actual impacts are probably different than, than what the, you know, do something to try to discredit the odor footprint tool. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, so, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's uh, potentially a game changer. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that these lawsuits will go away, but I would not be surprised if these lawsuits, uh, the number of these lawsuits uh, fell over time. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to quickly chime in. There's some cautions here. Um, the big plus is that the, the, um, scare tactic or scare claim of it's going to smell all the time. Um, this is an excellent tool to just totally blow that out of the water because you're, you're saying that over 90% of the time um, it, it's not going to be something that's going to, going to spell or, or reach those kind of levels. And, uh, but the caution is that uh, some folks, some producers also like to say you'll never smell it. <laughs> and this is actually if you use the tool or, or if somebody was to use the tool on your operation they could they could also use that to to um, say that that claim is not valid so Dave and, and just to clarify is this case unique to uh, Nebraska um, is this or is there other precedent set outside the in other states and also Rick maybe talk about the uniqueness of this tool compared to other states. It's the first case that I've seen anywhere where the odor footprint tool was a factor. And uh, so I think that it's, uh, and, and livestock odor 
uh, nuisance lawsuits from around the country are something that I track pretty closely. So uh, it's, I think it may be the first in the country. And, uh, you know, I don't know if all of the major livestock producing states, you know, have an operational odor footprint tool in their state or not. Uh, I would suggest that if they don't, they might want to, uh, that would be something for livestock groups to pursue because it, you know, could it provide something that could be very helpful in dealing with these lawsuits. But I think, I think that it is kind of a, a, a path-breaking case in that decision it, for that reason. So in terms of the availability of tools, uh, I call it the Nebraska Odor Footprint Tool, and I do that because there's also a South Dakota Odor Footprint Tool. Basically, they contracted with Nebraska UNL to do the modeling for South Dakota uh, weather stations, weather data. And so they, South Dakota has uh, a similar uh, tool available in their state, and uh, I believe it's the same thing that uh, a small number of counties have adopted the South Dakota Odor Footprint Tool as part of their regulations, but uh, uh, mostly it's a voluntary tool. Iowa does not have a, um, a tool, um, odor footprint tool. They have something else um, and it's primarily developed for swine. And the Swine uh, Iowa um, Pork Association is, is using that or supporting use of that in siting of facilities, swine facilities. Uh, Minnesota has the earliest version of the tool. It's called Offset, and that's a, a first-generation type of tool. I don't think it's been up updated, uh, but that's uh, available for counties to use uh, producers, and then a couple counties have adopted it. I think Purdue has developed something for Indiana, their own tool, and those are the only ones I'm aware of. They don't have it in Minnesota? Well, Minnesota has offset, um, so it's an early, a precursor to the odor footprint tool. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Dave, and thank you for everyone who uh, joined us today. Uh, a recording of this webinar will be posted at farm.unl.edu. That's farm.unl.edu. Um, and you can also register for other upcoming webinars as well. Next week, um, I'll be hosting as well and we'll be talking about value-added livestock marketing programs that are both used um, primarily for cattle, but some um, some in swine operations. Uh, we'll be joined by Tom Brink from Red Angus and also Andrew Dorn from Allflex or, or Merck. Um, after this meeting, we'll also encourage you, to, you'll be receiving a short survey via email. Uh, we'd really appreciate your feedback on today's webinar and also your input on future uh, sessions. It's only through your help and support that we can make these webinars successful. And we hope to provide webinar topics that are of interest to the general public. Thanks again for joining us. And thanks, Rick and Dave, uh, for being on the webinar with us. And hope everyone else has a great rest of their day. This has been a special Nebraska Farmcast presentation of Extension Farm and Ranch Management in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. To view or listen to more archived webinars, register for upcoming sessions, and discover more timely news, analysis, decision tools, and publications to guide your decision-making, visit farm.unl.edu.